Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. Dear Christian, grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance today as your faith is built up not in what you see on this earth, but in what God tells you in his word. Some of you may know that for the past couple of weeks at our house, we have had relatives in town really for the past month almost because of our older daughter getting married earlier in July. And the reason why we've had some relatives over the past couple of weeks is because there's a big change of plans for them that they're still sorting their way through. My brother-in-law, Mike Hartman, is a missionary, and he has been a missionary to Latin America for over 20 years. Recently, around Christmas time, he accepted a call to be a new missionary of our church body in London, England. And so since then, they've been making plans to move to London. But... Recently, in the past month or two, there were some snags with the visa, and there were some other difficulties that popped up. And so even though he was planning with his family of wife and four kids to move to London on July 15th, well, it didn't happen that way. And so they were trying to sort out, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Well, they were at our house for a while, then they went to Ruidoso, New Mexico for a little while, where his parents live and then they were back at our house again for a little while and yesterday they flew to the Holy Land for a little while and after that they're going to go to Portugal for a little while and going to be going into London at some point although they don't know when and the details aren't set and even if they were set it might not be a sure thing until they're actually there right and yet if you ask them about their future in the last month they would say We don't really know what's going to happen. We're working on it one step at a time, but what we really want is to be in London. Our hearts are there, settling down there at some point in the future. And I'm telling that story to help you think about how even though they're just kind of putting one foot in front of the next for now, their hearts are in a future spot where they can put down some roots And they're looking forward to it very much, however long it takes, whenever they're able to get there. That is a small picture of us and really every Christian who is thinking straight. As we journey through our earthly lives, one step at a time, not sure of the details that are coming, not always feeling like a useful human being in the present, maybe feeling like a stranger in our own shoes, a fish out of water, wherever we are. Our hearts, though, even when we have that uncertainty and unsettling feeling, our hearts are set on things above. Our hearts are set on our permanent home, which God has given and provided to us. So if you can think about that, how during this life we do our best to plan, and yet plans can explode and change at any given moment. We do our best to put down roots and yet it's only for a time and it goes by so fast anyways. If you can grasp that while also at the same time setting your heart on things above. The home in heaven Jesus has lived, died, and risen to provide. 
then you have your faith intact and your faith will be bolstered by what God tells you today through his holy word. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us how faith longs for better country. And I'm not talking about the USA getting better. I'm not talking about London, England. I'm not talking about anywhere on this earth for that matter. This is talking about heaven where God has built a home for you and me and him and all who have believed in him throughout the history of the world. Let's begin exploring and unpacking this incredibly stabilizing thought. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. These verses in Hebrews chapter 11 begin in a whole chapter described as the heroes of faith chapter in the Bible. Abraham is one example we're going to be talking a little bit about today. But there are many, many, many more. And I encourage you, if you have a free couple of minutes this week, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 and read the whole chapter. And marvel at all of these men and women who said, I feel like a stranger here in this time during these circumstances, yet my heart is set on things above and I'm going to trust God and take him at his word as I move forward. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, a future promise that isn't here yet. Faith is being assured about something we do not see. Confident that it's ours, that the animal crackers really are in the cup, even though we can't see them. And of course, you and I know God has given us something far more precious than animal crackers in a cup for us to put our hope in and for us to put our faith in. One example of faith is creation. None of us have a YouTube video that we can click on that will explain exactly how God created the whole universe in six days. And none of us were there to write down an eyewitness account of what we saw happening and changing by the second. Nobody does. We believe by faith that God created the universe in six days because that's what he says in his word. And that's like animal crackers in the cup. We take him at his word. We weren't there. And we put our faith in what he tells us. Another really good example of faith is Abraham. Many different things we could talk about with him, but we'll just highlight the three in the verses 8 through 12 of chapter 11. Abraham was called by God to go to a foreign country. Pack up, move, I'll tell you later where you're going. God didn't even tell him where he was going. And Abraham, by faith, said, Okay, I'm going to put my money where God's mouth is. I'm going to pack up and move. Hey, honey, we're packing up and moving. Where are we going? I don't know. Just think how that conversation went with his wife, Sarah. And yet he did it by faith. And he was blessed as a result. When they got to the land that God promised would be his descendants' land. It's not like he put down roots and felt right at home. 
He lived like a stranger in that land. He lived in a tent, moving around from place to place to place to place. And it was approximately 800 years later that his descendants, the children of Israel, finally did actually settle down in that promised land. Do you see? Abraham took God at his word, moved forward accordingly, and everything he would have seen with his eyes would have been telling him something else. Everything he would have seen with his eyes would have been telling him, you're not going to actually get this land. Yet that didn't matter. He put his money where God's mouth was, and he lived like a stranger in that foreign country and was content, not doubting. God also promised Abraham, even though his body was as good as dead for reproducing, and so was his wife's. He promised him, Abram, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky and not the stars in Houston where it's cloudy and we have a lot of light pollution, they call it, but the stars like it is when you're out in the country on a clear night and you can't even get close to begin to count them. Abram, your descendants are going to be like the sand grains on the seashore. Good luck trying to count even a handful of those. And everything Abram would have seen would have communicated to him, no, they won't. I don't even have one kid yet. And my body is well past the point of childbearing. And yet Abram put his money where God's mouth was. He believed in what God said. And sure enough, in God's time, because of God's miraculous activity, he made his promises good. And Abraham did have descendants that numbered that great, uncountable number, even though it took lots of years to get there. Why do we doubt God? There's example after example after example after example after example in the Bible of people who faced difficult circumstances. God told them something that sure seemed like it would never happen and never come true, and yet every single time God delivered them, and his word happened just as he said it would happen. And yet, Satan gets so much accomplished for evil when he tempts us to doubt what God has said. Begin with the very first temptation of all time in the Garden of Eden when he slithered up to Adam and Eve and said, did God really say you shouldn't eat from that tree in the middle? And that did God really say question has had so many different versions. It keeps working so well for him. He keeps bringing it up to each and every one of us on a daily basis. Did God really say it's bad to live a life of greed? Did God really say you shouldn't try to get as many toys as possible and have as much fun as possible in this earth? What kind of God would say that? Because obviously it is fun, and obviously that is what everyone else is doing if you open your eyes for even half a second. That temptation is maybe the easiest one to see if you looked with your eyes and listened with your ears to what seems to be so normal and, and easy and, and the way of life, the way to happiness. You would never think God is right by saying greed is a sin 
and you need to repent of it and struggle against it. So we fall for that lie. Another way we doubt God is when Satan slithers over and in our thoughts and says, did God really say it's bad to be proud? Did God really say you're not capable of helping yourself here? Did God really say you can't fix your relationship with him? I mean, come on. Really? What kind of God would create a situation where you can't fix your relationship with him? And you're entirely dependent on him. But do you know what happens when we're fueled by greed, we're fueled by pride, and we're fueled by doubt? Do you know what happens? You're alone. Who wants to be best friends with somebody who is greedy and proud more and more as the days go by? As well as doubting in God, anchorless, drifting, And then, as Satan gets us alone, most distant from God, then he brings the hammer down with questions like, did God really say he loves you? Because I sure would have thought things would be simpler in your life if he did. Did God really say he's with you? Because you sure look pretty alone right now, don't you? Did God really say He forgives you and promises life after death in heaven? I'm not so sure you should ever take Him at His word. That's the kind of thing Satan tempts us with. And if we aren't thinking straight, if we aren't seeing those lies for what they are and seeing God's truth for what it is, we will fall. We will be disappointed. We will have a miserable life as we distance ourselves further and further from God and those around us. We'll be very frustrated, unsatisfied, and sad. But God has not left us alone, has He? He gives us His Word. We've heard a few little snippets of it in the service today, and there's so much more where that came from. God has not left us alone with our hard, cold hearts that only doubt, but instead, He has brought us His Word and His sacraments to change our hearts, to make us different, to soften us so that we trust. When God says, I do love you and I have forgiven your sin, it's as though I was with the kids with the animal crackers. I have my empty grave to prove it, Jesus says. We know of joy that is unmatched and even unfathomable. That is where we are headed in Christ, and that is where we set our hearts on things above. We believe it by faith. We take God at his word. God never lies in the Bible, and we're confident he's telling us the truth about his love for us, his forgiveness for us, and the heaven he has waiting for us, the one of which he is the architect and the builder. Let's read through verses 13 through 16. And I would like you to think about where we can set our hearts as I read these verses. All these people, that's in the chapter of faith in Hebrews 11, 
were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has a city prepared for them. God tells us in his word, I am not ashamed to be your God. And we say, wow, thanks. God tells us in his word, I have a home in heaven waiting for you, the city with foundations. I'm the architect, I'm the builder. And we say, wow, thanks. God tells us, I have finished the work, the perfect life, the innocent death of substitution for you, the resurrection from the dead. You couldn't do any of that. I have done it. And we say, wow, thanks. He tells us he has a city prepared for us, and we have this wonderful place of mind where we are longing for it and also welcoming it. It's not like we're, we're unsettled and angry and afraid and nervous and anxious and hardly can even wake up in the morning and get out of bed. No, we are able to have confidence and joy and peace now Because even though we are strangers in this world now, even though Christians will always feel like a fish out of water a little bit in this sinful earth now, we are longing for heaven and know that it's coming. Here's a story to illustrate that. Back in 1952, a swimmer named Florence Chadwick attempted to swim from the coast of California to Catalina Island, 26 miles. And as she was doing that, she had a few small boats next to her to fend off the sharks or the stingrays or anything else that might be bothersome and dangerous as you're trying to swim 26 miles in a row. On the day when she attempted her big swim, it was very misty and cloudy and foggy and she couldn't see a thing. But she kept on swimming and kept on swimming for 15 hours she kept on swimming and said to her mom, who was in one of the boats, I don't think I can make it. Well, she kept swimming another hour, but not being able to see anything at all. She finally said, I'm done, I quit, I can't make it. And then realized, she had gotten in the boat, that she had come 25 and a half miles and was only half a mile from the shore. And she said later, being tough as nails, as I'm sure she was, look, I'm not making excuses, but I know if I could have actually seen the shore, I think I would have made it. Two months later, she tried again. This time, again, foggy, cloudy, misty, couldn't see anything. But this time, she knew the shore is there, and I'm going to keep swimming. She not only finished the swim, She broke the men's record, not just the women's record, but the men's record by two hours. That's the heart we have as Christians. As we are swimming in the fog, as we are going through life, God has kept us in the dark about the details maybe, but he has not kept us in the dark about the final destination. We know where we're going. 
faith is, is being sure of something you hope for in the future and confident of something you can't see because you know one day you will see it. God bless you as you live a life of faith, thinking about Jesus, heaven, and all that is coming your way in God's time. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.